I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Cord. You're a climber. We're all outdoors people. And (laughs) there's a lot that is going on in the world. There's a lot of despair. There's climate change to freak out about. There's war. There's hopelessness. And for a lot of us, getting outside, riding our bike, climbing, getting up, getting some perspective, it's often just such a needed escape from all of that. Just the chance to get away, to breathe, to put the phone down, to put the news down. And that feels so good. It feels so good. And it also can sometimes feel really selfish. We have often this privilege to be able to set things down. And I know that you've gone back and forth with that relationship, particularly with climbing, of, you know, how it can sometimes feel selfish. And I'm wondering if you can tell us about the weekend that you just had in Yosemite that made you think about that relationship and how sometimes the outdoors and climbing can be more than an escape and it can actually be a remedy or a way of healing um, some of the trauma that we have in our in our world. Yeah, I'd love to tell you about it. A couple weeks ago now, I had the privilege to join on this trip in Yosemite, which is a place where I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years because some of my friends, Michelle and Marin, um, who are on the search and rescue team there, put together this amazing trip to bring a group of amazing women climbers who also are Afghan refugees um, out to Yosemite for the week to climb and swim and hike and camp and play outside and they invited me to come along and yeah like leading up to this trip I felt a lot of that conflict that you were talking about I've often felt like why do I deserve (laughs) uh, an escape from the world when there's so much going on there's so much suffering like what have I done to kind Mm -hmm. of deserve this time outside to get away from it all but then I was in Yosemite this week with a group of people who have been through a lot more than I can really relate to. And I felt like, wow, (laughs) first of all, if anyone really deserves this week, this week to unplug and escape and heal, it's them. And I also felt like, wow, this is an incredible way that the climbing community has been able to rally behind a group of people and to show up for them. And to use climbing in a way that feels the opposite of selfish, right? I just was there witnessing this whole Yosemite community, all these sponsors, the National Park Service, all these community members show up every day for a week straight um, to make this incredible trip happen for this group of women. And I just felt like, oh, this is climbing community at its finest. This is community at its finest, right? These are people that are 
they are our people. <laughs> we relate to them through climbing, um, even though it might seem like we don't have that much to relate to them with. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't relate to the things that they've been through. But at the same time, we have this amazing thing in common, which is that we love being outside. And um, I just got to see the way that the entire Yosemite community welcomed them in and felt like, oh, we don't need to focus on those differences or all these things that you've been through. Um, We're going to just spend this week together doing what we love to do. And it was really cool way for me to kind of shift my mindset around to what's the point of climbing and how can we use it to yeah, bring people together and to create a space for healing in the outdoors. And it strikes me that, you know, these are females, a lot of them that have fled Afghanistan uh, after the U.S. exit because they were climbers, because they were women who were pursuing activities and endeavors that were seen to be outside of what women should be doing. Yeah, I mean, most of the women on this trip and a lot of the thousands and thousands of Afghans that have fled the country in the last year yeah, they had to leave without their families. <laughs> a lot of them left with a tiny backpack with their documents, maybe a couple prized possessions, but maybe not. And so to get to be in a new place, but feeling like you're surrounded with people that share this big thing in common with you. Um, I don't want to speak for other people's experiences, but at least for me, um, that shared connection was really beautiful. Well, today, producer Stephanie Maltrich brings us an incredible story about female climbers finding peace, power, family, and home beyond the borders of their war-torn country. I'm Cordelia Zars. I'm Lauren Delaney Miller. And you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Danica Gilbert lives in a small town nestled beneath the San Juan Mountains in southwest Colorado. She's called herself a mountain guide for about 18 years. And although she's taken people on all types of adventures, these days she mostly sticks to climbing, ice and rock, and skiing. Like most guides, her work has taken her around the world. Yeah, so I've been lucky enough to guide in South America, a lot of places in North America, Basically anywhere there's mountains in North and South America, although I haven't been to Patagonia yet. That's that's on the list. And then I've guided in Europe, Nepal, Pakistan. Danica stumbled upon guiding when attending a small liberal arts college in Oregon. Early on, she learned that her school had an outdoor program, but she wasn't really impressed with the offerings. I quickly realized that all of the offerings they had were kind of boring. And it was like, okay, I, I want to go do you know X, Y, and Z. And they were like, well, put the trip together and guide it. And I was like, okay. So just started guiding trips there. Danica's path through her career hasn't been linear. She's a scientist by training and has a PhD in biogeochemistry. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I've had kind of a lot of different careers. You know, I worked as a scientist and alpine plants were my favorite thing. And um, I've done a bit of medicinal plant work and then worked as a scientist in climate change, which took me to Nepal. 
In addition to guiding, she's led wilderness therapy and outdoor education trips, specifically geared toward women and girls, while helping them build leadership skills and confidence in the outdoors. And I work a lot with people that have gotten to know me over the years and then want to go specifically with me because I can provide a little extra, whether that be guiding somebody that's blind or helping somebody with fear or or something that stands out a little bit. I have a lot of clients that come back and want me to take them on adventures. And after almost two decades, Danica feels like she has an abundance of skills and knowledge to pass along to the people she works with. What I've done is taken a tool that was given to me and then turned around and handed it to somebody else who really needed it. So in 2009, the first Afghan men climbed Mount Noshak, which is the highest peak in Afghanistan. And I heard that story on NPR. And I remember very distinctly hearing that story and thinking, okay, the next Afghan needs to be a woman. And I had worked in Pakistan and Nepal and both those places trying to encourage young women to climb. And so this idea of helping young women climb in Afghanistan just flowed naturally. Danica reached out to an acquaintance who had worked in Afghanistan helping women get out on bikes. After a few conversations and a little bit of research, they found Marina Legree, an American woman who was working to put an all-female climbing team together. Marina started a nonprofit called Ascend Through Athletics, which had the goal of getting a group of women to climb mountains, while also providing lessons in leadership. And Marina said, I think um, I've got some girls ready for No Shock. Why don't you go over? After a few years of conversations and planning, Danica made her way to Afghanistan with Marina in 2015. On that first trip, she scouted Mount Noshak with two of the strongest girls from the climbing team. Mount Noshak sits at about 25,000 feet in the remote region of Badakhshan. In the um, 60s and 70s, there was a lot of Italians and Europeans coming. Reinhold Messner um, said one time that Noshak would be the most climbed 7,000 meter peak if it weren't where it was. Afghanistan's right on the western edge of the Himalayas. So you've got Nepal with the high peaks there. Pakistan's got a bunch. And the Himalaya range starts to taper down. And then takes this big curve, like a little hook going down. And no shock is kind of the end of that um, bigger Himalayan range. It's right on the border with Pakistan. To prepare, Danica spent months poring over maps and old American alpine journals. She also reached out to others who had knowledge of the area. But despite her research and preparation, the trip was harder than she imagined it would be. The two girls struggled hiking with heavy packs at altitude. Being in the mountains was a new experience for them. But Danica didn't want to leave without seeing if there was potential for a trip in the future. I ended up having them wait at a lower elevation and I ran up um, to where the base camp of Noshok would be. And took a look at the mountain and the terrain and everything else and came back down and was like, wow, there is, it's going to be a huge challenge to get these girls ready. So in Afghanistan, um, the terms, the language translations in that don't translate directly like we would in, in our American culture. So to be an Afghan woman implies that you're older, you're likely married, you likely have kids, and that you don't really have a life of your own anymore. You are defined as this woman that is mother, wife, these things. 
an Afghan girl still has some opportunity to do things. And so the girls prefer to not be called woman. It's uncommon for girls or women in Afghanistan to participate in sports, especially climbing or mountaineering. After spending time in other Muslim countries, Danica knew working with the families was key. She needed to gain their trust and permission because every girl who participated in the climbing team needed approval from their family. For the girls too, having independent thought like we are raised with in our culture doesn't happen there. They're learning it, but we kind of put a high value in this like independence and ability to do things. She also had to navigate her own place as a privileged woman from the United States. Sometimes her position gave her the confidence to speak up, but she was always careful. I had to play a fine line of being the assertive, strong American, but also knowing when to defer, put my headscarf on, step back. After the short scouting trip to Noshak, Danica continued planning for an expedition to the area with 13 girls later in the summer. Even though Danica knew the team wouldn't be ready for a peak ascent, she thought an expedition to the area would be a good opportunity. The girls could learn about being in the mountains while learning basic climbing skills. But the political upheaval in the region worried Danica, so she started making a plan B. Two weeks before we were supposed to go, ISIS attacked this little town called Warduj, which is along the pathway that our gear was going to have to take. We knew we were going to fly, but we were going to have the gear go by road, and there was no way we were going to get the gear through. Danica made a quick choice to change the expedition plans to peaks closer to Kabul. When we were coming back from that reconnaissance trip, we flew over the Panjshir area, the Panjshir Valley, and there's these granite peaks. And I was looking out the window, just like fascinated. I knew that they were there. I'd read about them. But to see them from the air, I was frantically clicking photos for me as a personal climber. I was like, I got to come back here. Danica describes the Hindu Kush mountain range in the Panjshir Valley as similar to the granite basins of Cirque of the Towers in Wyoming. And not only did it look like a great climbing destination, it would be safer, too. Panjshir, we could hop in a bus with all of our gear and go up the road, go through some check posts. And I picked this particular approach that we took to the mountains because um, nobody could get in the valley without coming through this little village at the entryway. She also connected with the governor of the province, who assigned the climbing team a police escort. There was a possibility they could be attacked even in the remote basin, since many Afghans didn't approve of the girls climbing. Most of the time, the police kept their distance. But one day they decided to test their guns, but they didn't tell us. And we had this plan of like, okay, should we be attacked? Where should we go? What should we do? And so this gunfire erupts. And we are looking around trying to figure out where it's coming from. And because of the basin, it's echoing. So we can't see where it's coming from. So the girls are all looking at me like, where should we run? And I look over and I realize it's our own policeman. And they were laughing. Danica was so furious that she almost charged over to the group of men. But instead, she asked Azim to go over. Azim was a man from Kabul who had volunteered to help out with the girls' mountaineering trip. And he went over. And he came back and they were still kind of laughing. And I was like, go back. That's not enough. And I called the governor who was supposed to be protecting us. And I told him what happened. And I was still mad. And he ended up arresting them. 
and they spent four days in jail. He sent in a replacement crew and the poor new guys were so afraid of me. <laughs> I was like, good. <laughs> After that, anytime we went to Panjshir, when the police or the military guys would meet me, they were like, oh, that's that woman. <laughs> Danica has always felt safer in the mountains, but she realized right away the girls had different experiences and ideas of the remote mountain regions outside of Kabul. We have this notion of nature being this healing place, but for them, especially their first times out there, it's like, no, this is where the Taliban is, there's unexploded bombs. The group spent 16 days in the Panjshir Valley and eventually summited a small sub-peak of Mir Samir, which the group named Lion's Daughters. On that expedition, I taught the girls to skip rocks, and we were skipping rocks across the river, and it was like just pure joy. And then another day we were like running through the flowers. These girls had never been away from their families even one night. And imagine you having never been away at like 18 going for 21 days. And then after that, it was like, no, we need to actually like take them for day hikes. And then we need to take them for one overnight where they stay in a like a guest house. And then we go to a tent and then we go to multiple nights. We don't just throw them into being away from their families for 21 days. Once they returned to Kabul, Danica decided to shift gears and expectations. The girls needed to learn the basics. We did a lot of rock climbing in and around Kabul. And I was teaching them to build anchors, teaching them just to climb. And then we did day hikes. Danica taught the girls the basics of wilderness travel, map reading, and expedition planning. She also focused on first aid skills and brought an ER doctor to help her teach a wilderness first aid certification. And once the girls started learning intermediate climbing skills, Danica even set up a single pitch instructor course with a guide from the United States. We actually were looking at, could we get one or two girls trained as a trekking guide and start to take people on trips. And I was looking to, there were so many expats working in Afghanistan that would have trusted the girls to like take them camping in Bamiyan. But as each year passed, Danica noticed a shift in the girls, Kabul and Afghanistan. Crime became more common, which eventually made the three crags they climbed outside of the city unsafe. Like we had one time we were up climbing, we had um, some guys shoot off some guns and startle everybody. And then we also had some boys throwing rocks at us. And... On one of her last trips, the danger escalated beyond the violence they had encountered at the crag. I remember I was flaking a rope and we were sitting in the office. There was a bomb blast and then a shootout afterward. And it started and we went to the window and we're looking and then I'm like, what the hell are we doing at the window? And it was like, step back. The girls all get on their phones and they text everybody that they knew that might have been in the neighborhood. Once they got everybody like, I'm okay, I'm okay. We went back to planning a trip. This is what they endure day in and day out. If I go over and I have risk for this little bit of time that I'm there compared to what they do, it's okay. Because I get to get on a plane and go home. And I would be in tears almost every trip because I'm getting on a plane and leaving and leaving them behind and they have to continually go through 
this. And I got to come home to Ridgeway where I have all these loving people and I'm safe. I really had hope early on that things were getting better. And so did most of the girls. And then there was a shift. People were hopeful. And that what I saw happening is this loss of hope. And that was still under us. You know, it was just the economy was difficult. Life was difficult. Jobs were difficult. And people were getting frustrated. Going on the air because President Biden is about to make a major announcement that the U.S. will withdraw all of its remaining troops, some 2,500 from Afghanistan by September 11th. Here's the president. October of 2001, President George W. Bush informed our nation that the United States military had begun strikes. Last year, when the U.S. announced its withdrawal from the country, Danica continued to support the girls by helping them prepare for a possibility of a Taliban takeover. She advised them to get passports and start making plans with their families in case they had to leave the country. When we announced the pullout, I was like, okay, if the Taliban were to come in, what would you do? Where would you go? Where would you be safe? In August of 2021, Danica was on her way to Europe to visit two girls who had left the country a few years earlier. Right when she arrived, the Taliban entered Kabul. seizing back power nearly two decades after 9-11, taking over the capital of Kabul in just a matter as everything unraveled, Danica and the two girls spent days communicating with the others who remained in Afghanistan. You know, we were sleeping three, four hours a night because we were helping people like real time on the ground in Afghanistan, making choices. I was sending money to the girls, telling them which bank to go to. And I had a guy sending me um, real time heat seeking images that would show Taliban checkposts. Thousands racing to flee the country. The US has sent military As the days passed, Danica reflected on her roles in the girls' lives. I felt like the progress they had made over the years was about to unravel too. But I don't think even the Taliban could have anticipated the pace of events over the last 24 hours. And it was, it was shattering for me too, as well as them, when the Taliban came in, because, you know, I've encouraged these girls to dream. Can these dreams actually happen? Am I giving them hope for something that's not really real? And when the Taliban came in, like everything was shattered. And there was a lot of guilt for me of like encouraging them that you could have this future of university and mountain climbing and, you know, a career and job. And then to have it just completely wiped out was devastating to both them and to me. After the break, we hear from a young Afghan climber, Shagufa Bayat. Stay with us. Support for the diaries comes from Ketone IQ. As I've been getting more and more into longer runs and bike rides, I found myself fighting with my mind. As the miles extend, I feel like my reactions get slower and I make more mistakes, like tripping or falling or just kind of feeling slightly out of sync descending on the bike. On those big days, I've been using Ketone IQ to help my brain keep fueled and sharp. I want to have fun, not bonk. Here's the science. Ketones already exist in your body. When you push up against your boundaries, your body begins to convert stored fat into ketones, which your brain prefers consuming. With Ketone IQ, I feed my brain so my muscles can use the glucose I get from whatever else I eat on the trail. Riders of the Tour de France have been taking the same approach. I am definitely not as fast, but I can apply the same thinking. Give it a try. You save 30% off your first subscription order at ketone.com backslash dirtbag diaries. Once again, that's ketone.com backslash dirtbag diaries. The link is in the show notes. Please check it out. Support comes from Kuat Racks. The Piston SR is a single rail bike rack that easily mounts on most roof racks, overlanding utility racks, 
and truck bed rack systems. The dual ratcheting piston arm grabs your tires and makes no contact with the bike frame. So that's better for your bike, right? Plus, the rack has an all-metal construction, genuine Kashima coat, and integrated cable locks. That translates to being super burly. Kuat has taken their Piston Pro X and elevated it. Find more details at kuat.com. Kuat, because you will absolutely love this rack. When you're doing rock climbing, you're enjoying touching the rocks uh, when it's hot, touching the rocks when it's cold, rocks are cold and your fingers on top of the rocks. It's so lovely. I'm getting very good feeling from the rocks. I feel so close to them. And when it's hard, you're pushing a lot and the rocks are becoming your friend, helping you to go up, use them to go up. And, you know, it's so lovely rock climbing. And when you are arriving up, uh, from all of your power, you're using your fingers with your feet, both of that, like, it's like you're fighting for something. But in rock climbing, you're trying to go up, to reach on the top and come down, which is giving me very good feeling and give me the uh, feeling of that I'm strong. This is Shigufa Bayat. She is 22 years old, born in Afghanistan, and she now lives in Berlin. With Danica's support, she was able to leave the country last August. Before settling in Germany, she spent over 80 days in a refugee camp. Shigufa met Danica in 2016 when she enrolled in Ascend's climbing program. The first time when we had a trip with her, I find out that she's a very top teacher. I didn't like her. Shigufa remembers the day she signed up to participate after a couple of girls from the climbing team presented at her school. She was beyond excited, so excited that she filled out the paperwork and forgot to ask her parents. And the end of that form, I write it, I hope that you can accept me. A few weeks later, Shigufa remembers hiking to the top of a small peak outside of the city. It was her first time ever hiking or climbing. I had super power. I was in front of all the girls. I was walking fast. I was laughing a lot and uh, talking with others. And then uh, I arrived the first person on top of that mountain also. It was very uh, uh, good when I was on top of mountain the fresh air, the sound of the bird. It was so lovely to see after the first time the, all the capital from very highest place. It was very lovely to stay with girls, with your teammates, and uh, eat with them on top of the mountain. It was a, that was my best memory. As Shigufa became more involved with Ascend, she and Danica became very close. Danica visited Shigufa's family, assuring them she would be safe in the mountains and climbing. Well, uh, because I grew up in a very traditional family uh, and a society like Afghanistan, uh, for a girl and a woman, it's not very easy to become a mountaineer or go for a sport outside. For my family also was like that. And just I talk with my father about it. Shigufa's father moved to Kabul from the mountains, and he didn't have the opportunity to go to school but he worked a variety of jobs to make sure she and her brother had access to a solid education, and he didn't want climbing to get in the way. He also worried about Shigufa going into the mountains, not because climbing was dangerous, but the other dangers of being in the mountains. Most of the worry of my father was because of the people and society. But eventually he came around and supported her in her goals. And my father also grew up in the mountains. 
because of that, uh, he was thinking, yeah, that's uh, when you have some hopes, then I will help you. But many of her friends weren't as lucky. Although a lot of the girls were accepted into a Sen's climbing team, many of the families did not give their permission. Their family told them that, no, you're not allowed to go to mountain. You're, well, our people are saying that crazy people are going to mountain. Are you crazy that you want to go to the mountain? Because our people don't know that there is a sport by the name of mountaineering in the world. Because our team was the first team of female mountaineer in Afghanistan. In 2018, Shagufa was a part of a small team of girls who were selected to attempt no shock. She didn't summit the peak, but her cousin did. The first female to summit no shock made local news headlines, and Shagufa was disappointed that she didn't make it to the top. And she wasn't the only one. When she returned home, she experienced a beating from her uncle because he felt she had embarrassed the family. Despite the abuse and threat to her safety, Shagufa didn't want to stop climbing. Growing up as a girl in Afghanistan society, you have to fight first with the idea of people. You have to fight when you're just nine years old, you have to fight with so many things. Religion, society, family problems, people thoughts. I'm not scared from highest places. I love those things as tough. I love tough things. Though Shigufa was drawn to climbing, she still had to adjust to being in the mountains. The most of times that when I was in a tent in a camping time in the mountain, I was thinking that if the Taliban come, the only things that they can do, they will kill all of us. Because there is no other place to hide. It's totally different. You cannot feel super free in the mountain, even in the mountain. Because, you know, Taliban are using the mountain in Afghanistan for fighting. But Shigufa remembers the trip that flipped a switch for her, an expedition to the Panjir Valley with Danica. Look at this feeling. I have to continue. I have to work hard. And it started after that um, trip that I get this idea that I want to climb not the all. It's impossible, but I want to climb uh, the more highest peak in the world. And I want to really, it was on that trip when I decided that I really want to become a mountaineer. Shigufa has grown as both a climber, taking many trips with the Send, and as a leader. She became a program coordinator for the organization and earned income for her family. She also learned to stand up for herself and use her voice, which isn't always easy to do in Afghanistan. I think for Shigufa, one of the biggest things for her has been learning to navigate in this really male-dominated world. Danica remembers when Shigufa told her she had punched a boy who was giving her a hard time when she was out for a run in her neighborhood. I was like, okay, hold on a second. Like, I want you to stand up for yourself, but they could have acid in their pocket or could be waiting for you the next time you go running. And so like, these threats are real, not just perceived of like, I can't speak my voice. Like, I want you to speak your voice, but there are times where you need to shut up for your own safety. And I want you to be confident and bold, but I also want you to be smart. And getting in a fight with a couple of boys has bigger consequences in your cultural context here. Shigufa admits it's hard for her now that she's learned to speak up. She says she can't be quiet as a woman in Afghanistan. They feel that they control their women and they told their women that stay at home. 
just have a baby, cook for ourselves. That's all. And Afghanistan is the country of manpower, not a woman power. Uh, I had a, such a difficult, hard moments in my life that the only person I can trust, it was then you can call her that mom, what I should do. Because she don't have daughters and we are all her Afghan daughters. Danica have, has the kindest heart in the world. I can say this for sure. She was very supportive. She helped me with so many different issues in hard time of my life. As a first teacher, Danica was special for me. She became day by day more special for me. And right now I can call her mom. Back in 2018, Danica invited Shagufa and two other girls on a trip to Nepal's Khumbu region to continue their growth in the mountains as guides. On the trip, Danica noticed that connecting with women climbers in other countries was inspiring for the girls, and she saw something special when watching the girls from different countries interact. We sat down and had dinner, and they were like, wow, you're like me. And your life's been hard and you climb mountains and you're a mom and you still climb mountains. This moment inspired Danica to start something new where she would bring together girls from different countries, India, Pakistan, Nepal, Afghanistan, and Tajikistan. The main goal would be to build community between the girls across cultures and borders. So I started a nonprofit. It's called Hamdali. It's a, a Persian word, which means with heart. Um, and it's from a Rumi phrase that um, hamdali as butter ast ham zabani. So it's it's better to be one in the heart than one in the tongue. And that's kind of the whole thing I'm teaching the girls is like, like I'm not going to say I'm going to be there. I'm going to show you. I'm going to actually listen and be there. In addition to building community, she also wanted to provide graduate level training for the girls who wanted to advance their climbing skills so they could pursue guiding as a career. Ascend's climbing program only lasted for two years, leaving few options for girls who wanted to sharpen their skills beyond the basics. Hamdali has been on hold since the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan in 2021. Instead, she's put all her time into helping the girls resettle in their new countries. Danica continues to help Shagufa and about nine other girls navigate their new lives as they start from scratch. She's helped them find local alpine clubs and offered advice on moving forward in their guiding careers. So the girls that I'm working with directly to try to keep mentoring them and helping them in their climbing skills are mostly the girls that have landed in Germany. These are the girls that are just like absolutely motivated to stay with the outdoors and providing opportunities for other women in the outdoors. And she's also there to listen and offer encouragement when they need help by reminding them of the skills they've learned over the years. We can work through this and reminding all of them too, like, you have more skill. You have these things you do know how to do. Don't forget to tap into those first. And even if it's just like meditation or mindfulness or yoga. This spring, Shigufa joined Danica as her assistant guide on a trek to Everest Base Camp in Nepal. Danica had planned a trip with clients and offered the training opportunity to Shigufa once she had settled in Berlin. Working as a guide was new for Shigufa. And it didn't take her long to realize the work involves a lot of responsibility. Being a guide is hard, you know? It's hard. <laughs> I told her, Mom, you know, I know that I like tough things, but it's hard. 
honestly it's hard <laughs> you have to have more patience uh, you have to think about ev even each single things is going on on that trip you have to prepare a lot of things you have to be ready for any issues and yeah i found that that being a guide was hard but she helped me to learn that in a very easy way Danica and Shagufa led a group to Everest Base Camp, and Danica believes Shagufa is the first Afghan to make the trek. We're 99% sure. And it was so cool. We climbed up on top of the Everest Base Camp rock, and she took pictures with her with the flag and that, and then I climbed up there with her. We sobbed, and I was like, F*** you, Taliban. No, like, here she is. Like, you cannot stop her. Danica knows that for most climbers, getting to Everest Base Camp isn't considered a groundbreaking accomplishment. But for Shigufa, it was a big deal. And that was the biggest achievement of this year for me. Without Danica's help, there was no way to do that. She's my, make a charter, she's my role model. Of course, I'm inspired from her. Of course, that. I want to become like her, tough, kind, but, uh, you know, in a different way. She's a very tough woman and also a very kind woman. While at base camp, Danica took Shigufa around to different groups and camps where they met hundreds of climbers attempting the peak, which inspired an even bigger idea. After the Nepal trip, when I come back, I get the idea of that, that we should go as a big group for summit the Mount Everest. So she asked Danica if she would help get a group of girls to the summit. They would be the first Afghans to stand on top of the world's highest peak. And it's funny because I've never, like people have always asked me about Everest and I'm like, I would climb Everest if it were the right opportunity. Like I'm not going to go climb it for me. Like I don't have a need to stand on top of Everest. But if the right opportunity comes up where I'm needed and I can be of value, I will gladly climb it. And this could be it. At the end of the trip to Everest Base Camp, Shigufa received a surprising email from her uncle, the one who beat her when she returned from Mount Noshok without summiting. So this uncle that beat her um, and really disapproved of everything she was doing, wrote her an email. And she and I were just in shock. He was so proud of her and he's like, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And you have done amazing things. You're you know, so capable. And he basically was like, my girls are gonna have opportunities because you've proven to me that women have value. And we both, and we, it, our first response was, what does he want? Cause he's still in Afghanistan. And then we're like, no, I think he's actually genuine. And we're like, your uncle, who beat you for being an embarrassment to the family has shifted his mind. Danica and Shagufa hope this shift in mindset might create space for others, including her cousins. Shagufa knows her uncle's letter is a very small shift in her own life and in her own goals in empowering girls and women in Afghanistan. But it's a step. And as she adjusts to her new life as a refugee in Germany, she continues to have hope. What is it about climbing that speaks to you? You're your own. For whose 
love the mountain and who is thinking that the mountain is the best place for her or for them and they are feeling free in the mountain for them yeah you're your own i know that right now fighting is in my country i have no home nothing but still i'm following my dreams still i stand not just because of my own self i went to everest base camp to show the Taliban, to help my people, uh, to show for other women that look, follow your dreams again. Thanks Shagufa and Danica for sharing your stories. Music today from John Barry, Bradley Carter, Kai Engel, and Ken Christensen. Nice Cotto and Jacob Bain composed our theme song. This episode was produced by Stephanie Malterich, Cordelia Zars, and Lauren Delaney Miller. Thanks for covering for me while Beck and I were out on vacation with the kids. Stephanie and I edited and mixed this piece. Ashley Langholtz is our producer. Becca Call is our executive producer. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. <laughs> <laughs>